today is a big day. It is Pentecost. This is a huge deal. It is the third holiest day of the church year, if you're into you know, lists and things like that. And it's the day when we really talk about the Holy Spirit, even though we should be doing that every day of our lives. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, making us co-creators with God, as we've sung in our opening song about that, and we'll sing in our psalm, Lord, send out your Spirit, renew the face of the earth. Every day is a new opportunity, an opportunity to take risks, a chance to see the world in new ways. So how about if we start by talking about our first reading, which we're all familiar with, the story of the Holy Spirit coming down in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. We all think we know that story, but let me give you a couple of different thoughts. First of all, Christians often call it the first Pentecost. That's wrong. Pentecost is the Greek name for the Jewish feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. It celebrated God's giving the Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai. It also coincided with the Feast of the First Fruits. So the farmers would bring the first harvest that they had to the temple of wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. And the reading says that they were all in one place together. Well, who's they? It wasn't just the 12 apostles. It was all the Galilean disciples who had come to Jerusalem with Jesus for the Passover celebration. And according to Luke, that was roughly 120 people. It would have included the 72 disciples who were sent out in pairs, and it also would have included the blind man on the road to Jericho, whom Jesus had cured. Why were these people still in Jerusalem seven weeks later? Remember, Passover... They came Palm Sunday, seven weeks later. That's when the Feast of Weeks was. Well, Dr. Ruth has suggested that it was a year of jubilee, which happened about once every 50 years, where the people were invited to spend less time working and more time working on the relationship with God. And so people from further away would have come to Jerusalem in those years for the High Holy Days. And since Passover had just been seven weeks before, they probably would have stayed. And so that's why we hear about this idea that there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem at the time. So, new perspectives. New way to think about this reading. All of Jesus' companions, not just the apostles, gathered together And it descends on this great festival that celebrates God's renewal of the harvest, which in turn celebrates God's establishing his covenant relationship with the chosen people. And to show you that Pentecost is a time of new perspectives, give me just a second. I told you this was the mass to come to this weekend, didn't I? I wasn't going to pull out shaving cream, though. That was going to—that would be silly. Let's try this. This might hurt.
Well, you'll get the idea. They'll be, they'll wonder what happens tomorrow. For me, there's something about this time of year, mid to late May. It seems to be a time of the year when I feel empowered to take risks, to try new endeavors. May 26th is the feast of Paulus patron saint Philip Neri, who famously shaved off half his beard to teach us all not to take ourselves too seriously. It was on his feast day in 2001 that I experienced a lightning bolt call to consider becoming a priest. Here, nearly 12 years later, that sounds really wonderful. But at the time, I had no idea if this was a call from God or if I was simply crazy. Three years later, I hadn't made much progress on discerning my vocation. And so in mid-May of 2004, I went on my first retreat. And the first night, I admitted to my spiritual director something that I had never told anyone. Even though I had been involved in music ministry for 12 years and had experienced a call to consider the priesthood, I didn't know how to pray. My spiritual director walked me through the basics, and that retreat was perhaps the most amazing week of my life in a truly amazing year. For the next seven days, I became intimate friends with God in the person of the Holy Spirit. I felt that the Holy Spirit was guiding my every move around the grounds of the retreat center, leading me to insight after insight about who God called me to be. It was later that same month of May, on the Feast of Pentecost, that I set off on my 83-day, 43-state, 19,600-mile cross-country road trip, the trip of a lifetime. It was risky and exhilarating to set off in my little Saturn SL1 with a week's worth of clothes, a bunch of bottled water, every AAA guidebook for the 48 contiguous states, and not much else. 2004 was the turning point of my vocational journey. In many ways, it was my Pentecost. Throughout my three months on the road, I thought about Mary's three months in the hill country of Judah during her pregnancy. I was becoming aware of God dwelling inside of me, but I didn't really understand what God intended for me. Well, you know how that chapter of the story ended. I applied to the Paulus Novitiate, and they accepted me. During my time in the seminary, I learned a wonderful prayer by Tom Noe called The Morning Prayer to the Holy Spirit. You can find it in the Paulus Prayer Book, but you won't find it online. I'd like to share it with you. O holy and astounding spirit, you catch me by surprise at least once a day with the freshness of your love and the unpredictability of your presence, especially in humble things that somehow give me immense joy. Some moments are completely new, full of joy, as uplifting as the dawning sun, and those moments come from you, day by day. Stand behind me today when I'm right and ought to be more determined. And block my way when I'm being stupid and ought to back off. Teach me true compassion for those in need so I can be of genuine help to someone. Bless me today, Holy Spirit, and astound me again. I have prayed this prayer, especially the last line, 
many times in the past seven years. I'll put some copies over by the holy water stand if anyone would like to have a copy. I think most of you know what happened to me last year in May. I departed Knoxville with your prayers, graduated from seminary in Washington, and was ordained a priest in New York City, and traveled to my home parish to celebrate my first Mass there on, of all days, the Feast of Pentecost. It was a month drenched in the Holy Spirit. And tomorrow, May 19th, is the one-year anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood. And throughout the past 12 months, the Spirit has continually confirmed that I wasn't crazy when I felt that call to consider priesthood 12 years ago. It's been a year of extraordinary blessings. I've journeyed with many other people, including many of you, who have experienced a call from the Holy Spirit to take risks. And those people, and you who have done so, have been richly rewarded for trusting God enough to take a leap of faith. So today, as we celebrate roughly the 3,260th anniversary of God's covenant with the Israelites, and the at least 2,600th anniversary of the festival of Shavuot, and the roughly 1,980th anniversary of the first Christian Pentecost, we celebrate that the Holy Spirit continues to surprise us to invite us forward to an exciting, risky, unknown future with God. I know the Holy Spirit isn't done with me. Tomorrow, on the first anniversary of my ordination, I am heading out on a five-day hike on the Appalachian Trail, even though I've never taken an overnight hike before. And I figured I'd get an even burn on my face. These past few days, I've felt a mix of feelings very similar to when I embarked on that road trip on Pentecost nine years ago. Is this risky adventure a good idea, or am I being stupid? Only God knows what graces I'll receive from taking this risk. And I know the Holy Spirit isn't done with any of you, either. Have you checked in with the Holy Spirit recently? How is the Spirit inviting you to take risks in your life right now? Bless us today, Holy Spirit, and astound us again. Hello, friends. It is now Sunday afternoon, and I want to give you an update on what happened since I preached this homily on Saturday night. One of the lines of that prayer I shared was, block my way when I'm being stupid. And I believe the Holy Spirit answered that prayer at 6.15 this morning when my buddy Steve called me just before he was going to leave Mobile, Alabama, to meet up with me for this hike. And he said, you know, um, if you really want to do this, we'll still go, but the weather is supposed to be very bad. It's supposed to be heavy rain and thunderstorms for four of the next five days. And I heard this is the Holy Spirit answering my prayer. So we canceled the trip. I preached about that at 9 a.m., and I said, what I wrote last night is that only God knows the graces I will receive this week. 
Well, as the mass ended, people came out of the woodwork to suggest things, and um, I'm probably going to be taking a vacation to one of our parishioners' timeshares on a beach somewhere, and uh, have a couple dinners along the way, and it uh, looks like it will still be a wonderful week. And um, I thank the Holy Spirit for at least sending me the message from Steve um, not to be so foolhardy. Um, today I've already received five different messages on my phone about severe weather warnings and things like that. So anyway, that's the follow-up. Let us continue to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the promptings the Holy Spirit sends through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen.